Hello, welcome to Europe Now. For this edition of the programme, we've brought you to a part of Europe that has been at a crossroads of European empires and power play for centuries. We are in Slovenia. This small, mountainous, heavily forested land is almost completely landlocked. It's home to just over two million people, known for their strong nature-loving side. Now, these lands have been ruled and fought over by almost everyone, from the Romans to the Austro-Hungarians, through Napoleon Bonaparte, the First and Second World Wars. Indeed, this medieval castle in the capital Ljubljana has played host to several of the warring armies. Part of Yugoslavia after World War II, Slovenia became the first former Yugoslav country to gain its independence in 1991. Since then, it's built up its links with the rest of Europe, joining the European Union in 2004, along with NATO, and joining the euro currency in 2007. Well, 2021 doesn't just mark Slovenia's 30th birthday. It's also the year that Slovenia is holding the rotating presidency of the European Union once again from July to December. This, of course, amid the COVID pandemic and with a prime minister, Janis Janša, who is accused from many corners of degrading his own country's democracy. Well, we'll be looking into these issues and several others, uh, along with guests from all parts of the political spectrum and reports from our team. In fact, let's start off uh, with a look into history. Our reporter, Luke Brown, has been to meet some people who were part of Slovenia's independence story, hearing their reflections on those times and where their country has gone since then. A quiet street in the suburbs of Ljubljana. The scene of the first bloodshed in Slovenia's war for independence, the downing of Tony Mralak's helicopter. On the first day of the war, a helicopter from the Yugoslav Air Force was shot down here. My brother-in-law, Tony Mralak, was the pilot. At the same time as being in the Yugoslav army, he was also secretly working with the Slovenian Territorial Defense Forces. He was shot down just as he was doing his duty. Draga Potožnak fought to have Tony recognized as a fighter for Slovenian independence. She spent seven years researching in secret how he died. She says the official version of the independence myth doesn't tell the whole story. I didn't know that it was so ugly, dirty, because I knew, I know a lot of stories that I shouldn't know. I know, I know a lot of, also about deaths. <laughs> And so many people died. <laughs> Tony Mralak's death came just two days after Slovenia declared its independence on June the 25th, 1991. That sparked a 10-day conflict with the Yugoslav National Army that ended with the Brioni Agreement brokered by the European Community. There were fewer than 70 fatalities, drastically less than the bloodbaths in Croatia and Bosnia-Herzegovina. Slovenia was largely spared the worst of the bloodshed. This history professor says that's because it was ethnically distinct from its neighbours. Slovenia was unique uh, mostly because um, it did not have Serbian ethnic minority. That is the, the main reason. It was not part of the greater Serbia plans or later on part of the greater Croatia plans. Independence was a unifying force. 95% of Slovenians voted in favour of breaking away from Yugoslavia. Former communist leader Milan Kuchan was the first president of an independent Slovenia. His speech sketched a vision of hope. Today, dreams are allowed. Tomorrow is a new day. 30 years on, that optimism has foundered, and he blames the current government. 
Our dreams about ideals like democracy, respect for human rights and the rule of law have not been realized. Today our nation is more like the one we left 30 years ago. Slovenia's government has announced an ambitious new independence museum. For Milan Kucan, those commemorations are now a source of division, not unity. The act of independence was the mass decision of the Slovenian nation and not the act of an individual. And now, obviously with the new museum, the governing party is abusing independence for its own goals. Slovenia emerged from its independent struggle relatively unscathed. But 30 years on, the memories of that unity risk being tarnished by increasingly toxic modern-day politics. Well, now we're going to speak with uh, one of the people from the Slovenian government who's most involved in Slovenia's rotating presidency of the European Union, Gaspar Dojan, who is State Secretary for European Affairs. Hello there. Hello, bonjour. I wanted to start with the presidency of the European Union. What are the big key priorities for Slovenia in this time? The first priority is, of course, to work on resilience of the EU and to uh, facilitate uh, green and digital recovery. The second priority is union of equal criteria for all rule of law and uh, European way of life. Uh, the third priority is that we want to facilitate the conference on the future of Europe. And uh, the fourth priority is that we want to have credible European Union capable of ensuring stability also in, your, in its neighborhood. The COVID pandemic still with us um, and Slovenia has one of the lower vaccination rates in the European Union. One specific measure that your government recently introduced did cause a lot of anger, a lot of protests, this mandatory Covid pass that people were told quite suddenly that they needed to be able to use shops, cafes, uh, even for public sector workers to do their jobs. With hindsight, was this the wrong way to get people to go and get vaccinated? If we consider how the situation is in uh, other EU members, I think the, the measures are tougher. What we are trying to do is, with those measures is to ensure that uh, public health is maintained. In other EU states, though, there was more of a lead-up into the introduction of the Covid pass. I don't think very much that there's very much uh, differences in the approach in other member states. You mentioned before that promoting rule of law around the EU and in the Western Balkans is a priority for Slovenia. The European Commission recently did a report on rule of law across all the member states. It singled out some concerns in Slovenia about freedom of the media. Uh, what is your government's response? We definitely support the European Commission in uh, making those reports, but we think it's very general report. It's based mainly on what the media reports uh, are, are saying. So it does not go uh, and, and search for the deeper reasons why it is so. But we can definitely reject statements that there is a problem with 
uh, media freedom in Slovenia. Our, our team has spoken to some journalists and actors in the media who are concerned about various issues, including particularly the words of the Prime Minister himself. Uh, Janez Janša uh, published an essay last year in which he said the mainstream media had a, a monopoly of lies and had to be, in his words, brought down. Just to clarify on that, does the government want to bring the national media under state control? I think, uh, have you read that essay? I have. No, well, I think it's, it has been widely misunderstood. And, uh, of course, um, what did it a mean? lot of fake... No, I mean, it was understood as the government is running a sort of a war against the media. But the main message is that the media is running a war against the government. Recently, your government withheld its part of the funding from the national news agency, STA. Can you see why that would be considered a restriction on the freedom of the media? It is a legal requirement to provide this funding. No, definitely not. I don't think the, this has anything to do with the freedom of the media. It has to do with transparency. Uh, and with corporate governance. The European Commission is suggesting a media freedom law to cover all EU member states. Does your government support this idea? Uh, as soon as there will be uh, legislation, we will do our job in the Council and its working parties in order to, uh, to facilitate the process. Gaspard Dojan, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Merci. Those questions about media freedom in Slovenia that we raised with State Secretary Dojan do continue to strain relations with the European Union's institutions. Our reporter, Luke Brown, looks more closely into those issues for us now. Angry scenes at Slovenia's public broadcaster. Anti-vaccination protesters invade the studios of the evening news, demanding to take over the airwaves. They uh, just invade the building. They were around this table for one hour. We were um, in our offices, you know, waiting for the police, waiting for somebody to help us. So it was physical attack. Tanya Staric is the main evening news anchor at RTS TV. Insults and even death threats have become commonplace. For her, it's not only the protesters who are to blame, but the government. When you hear from the people who make uh, main decisions in this country that we are prostitutes or liars, you know, there's only one step, you know, to the aggression. This government uh, understands media as enemies and uh, they declare the war against media and that's the result of it. Tanya isn't exaggerating. Last year, Slovenia's Prime Minister, Janes Janša, fired a broadside directed at the press, literally declaring a war with the media, writing that the monopoly of lies can be brought down. Primoz German is a prime target. His investigative website, Uncensored, regularly uncovers alleged government malpractice. This is today's cover story. It's about the Prime Minister's vacation on the yacht of the businessman that has been doing deals with health institutions for 20 years. But those scoops provoke retaliation from the governing party. A close advisor to the Prime Minister has filed 39 lawsuits against the website. 39 lawsuits is a devastating cost for a, such a small media as us. And he knows that he could file one lawsuit, but of course he filed so many lawsuits because he wants to destroy us. It isn't only small news outlets that are under pressure. Since November last year, the government has suspended its financing of Slovenia's STA news agency, withholding 2 million euros. Terrible for democracy. We are 
still young democracy, as you said, we are 30 years old. And media freedom and strong media, this is one of the pillars of democracy. But now we are regressing. The government is waging its war on media on multiple fronts, with attempts to reform the entire media landscape and promote more pliant private channels. For some media observers, the tactics of Yanis Yansha are straight out of the populist playbook. He's following the example of Viktor Orban in Hungary, where he's trying first to achieve complete control over the public broadcaster and public press agency. All that is combined with a sort of Trumpian uh, attitude towards the mainstream media, where all of the mainstream media, including foreign media, is very often labeled or attacked as fake news. Those moves have not gone unnoticed in Brussels. The EU's Civil Liberties Committee held an exchange of views with Janic Janca in March, but the Slovenian Prime Minister stormed out of his online meeting with MEPs. I've been told that the Prime Minister has disconnected, uh, so I take it that the session was not to his liking. The main concern with this government is not just power grab and, of course, attacks on the media, but it is their general attitude towards Europe and European values. I believe that the European Commission has to do something if it doesn't want to become a sort of a laughing stock of history in the future. But for some in Slovenia, the war on media is only the tip of the iceberg of the assaults on the rule of law. For the past year and a half, every Friday, protesters have gathered in front of Parliament to decry what they say is entrenched official corruption. This country has really been stolen with the help of uh, five or six individuals who decided that their own personal interests are more important than the will of the people. And it's scary to see how fast this can happen in a country that you consider a kind of normal democracy. Despite being sentenced to jail for corruption in 2013, Jancha is in his third term as prime minister. His popularity and his populism face a further test in elections due next year. My name is Franz Bogovic. I'm a member of European Parliament from Slovenian People Party, European People Party. In 2012, I was minister in the second government of Janes Janša. And in this term, my party, Slovenian People Party, supports the government. We are on the main square in Ljubljana, Congress Square. Here is also the place where the university is located, Philharmonia, and so usually this is the place where people in Ljubljana come together and there are also big celebrations of National Day or something like this. Now, right now, Slovenia is holding the EU presidency, of course, and there's a lot of extra scrutiny from the EU institutions on your country. Do you welcome this scrutiny? Uh, I'm very happy that uh, we have annual report uh, from Commission about the level of democracy in each country. It's necessary to know this situation very well, then it will be easier to have the answers. Well, specifically on the government withholding funding from the National Press Agency, STA, this is funding it is legally obliged to provide. There are different opinions, uh, opinions about the contract, about the obligation from both sides. And uh, on the base of this, we have, I can say, a big political fight from the both sides. Uh, but my opinion is that uh, this uh, problem should be solved as soon as possible. Now, the Prime Minister himself, Mr Janša, has a particularly combative communication style. Don't think anyone would disagree with that. He's personally attacked individuals on Twitter, uh, called journalists prostitutes, for example. This is very divisive. Should he change his style? 
he divides people. Some people also in his party think that it's too direct style, but I think that uh, nobody will change his style. Is it okay to call journalists prostitutes? He called press prostitutes. Is it that means, okay? I think it's not okay. It's not okay because uh, as politicians we should think about what we speak. This is not my style, but uh, he decided and uh, he is responsible for this style. Another big issue in Slovenia recently. There have been more than 70 weeks of protest against uh, corruption now. Concerns that need to be heard? I think that uh, in democracy the election are those who decide. Because on this protest we have, I don't know, less than 1% of people, half percent of people. And uh, the democracy is not on the street, democracy is on election. So you don't think that the weekly protests are representative of a broader opinion in Slovenia? Not at all. There are groups who organize these protests and if there will be new government, uh, right-wing government, we can expect more than 200 weeks protests. Franz Bogovic, thank you very much. Well, that brings us to the end of this part of the programme, but do stay with us. In the second part, we're going to be taking you outside of Ljubljana into the rolling green hills of Slovenia, and we're going to be telling you about one particular member of the animal kingdom that holds particular significance for Slovenia. Stay with us. <laughs>